Welcome to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast sponsored by GuideHouse, where we discuss all things under the auspices of the Comptroller's Office and address top-of-mind issues in the financial management community. Good morning. My name is Tom Rhodes. I'm a partner with GuideHouse, where I work with clients across the DOD and other government agencies to transform and optimize their financial management functions. I'll be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers. The American Society of Military Comptrollers, or ASMC, is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for individuals, military, civilian, corporate, or retired, involved or interested in the field of defense financial management. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of defense financial management. The society provides membership, education and professional development, and certification programs to keep members and the overall financial management community abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. And with that, I'd like to introduce our government guest today, Ms. Audrey Y. Davis. Ms. Davis was appointed the Director of the Defense Finance and Accounting Service, or DFAS, on June 21st, 2020. Ms. Davis leads the day-to-day accounting and finance activities of the Department of Defense. DFAS employs over 11,000 DOD civilian and military personnel at 10 locations throughout the United States, Europe, and the Pacific. Prior to her role as the director of DFAS, Ms. Davis formerly served as the principal deputy director for DFAS starting in January 2012. She was previously held positions with the Air Force to include her role as the deputy director, Air Force Staff Headquarters, U.S. Air Force, Washington, D.C. Prior to that, she also held a variety of information technology positions within DFAS, culminating as chief information officer and director information and technology. From May 2007 to November 2008, she was assigned as the Associate Deputy Assistant Secretary for Financial Operations and Financial Management Chief Information Officer. From November 2008 to January 2010, she was the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Financial Operations, Office of the Assistant Secretary for Financial Management and Comptroller, Headquarters, U.S. Air Force. Ms. Davis began her career as a presidential management intern with the U.S. Army Information Systems Engineering Command and served in a variety of positions at the U.S. Department of State, including a year in the private sector. Also, she is a 1999 graduate of the National Defense University Industrial College of the Armed Forces. Ms. Davis, thanks for being here with us this morning. We appreciate your time. We know how busy you are, and we're grateful to have you as a guest on the ASMC podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. It's uh, an honor for me to be here. Ms. Davis, often we invite our guests to share a little bit about their journey that has led them to their current role. Would you be willing to share a little bit about your journey with us and what brought you to your current role as the Director of the Defense Finance and Accounting Service? Sure, Tom. I'll try to give you the short version. I started my federal career 37 years ago, 1985, right after I had graduated 
with my master's degree from the University of Oklahoma, I was accepted into an OPM, an Office of Personal Management internship program called the Presidential Management Internship Program. That program today still exists, but it's called the Presidential Management Fellowship Program. We were called PMIs, Presidential Management Interns. And that started my journey in the federal government. I went to work for an Army lieutenant colonel. So my dad helped me pack up my car and drove me across country to the East Coast, to Virginia. And I started working for the Army in the Information Systems Engineering Command as an intern, learning everything about Army dispersing systems. It was a two-year internship program. It was as a young 24-year-old at the time. I thought, well, I'll learn as much as I can. And if I don't like this, I'll just go back to Oklahoma and do something else. Well, I fell in love with the work and learning about technology. Remember, this is 1985. So everyone didn't have a computer on their desk or and certainly not in their hand like we do today. And so I got to learn about what it takes to put a computer on everyone's desk, and especially those in in the financial area who are involved in dispersing funds within the Army. In 1991, DFAS was created. I had already transitioned away from Army and DOD after my two-year internship over to the Department of State. Again, continued to expand and grow in the area of computer security. And then DFAS was created in 1991. And I found myself having moved from the D.C. area to Indianapolis, where Fort Benjamin Harrison, which is now a closed base, is just outside of Indianapolis, and decided that after a five-year career in the federal government that I would quit. I moved because from D.C. to Indianapolis because uh, I had gotten married and my husband's job moved. And just figured I would look for something else after five years, knowing that I had career status and could come back if that was a desire, because I hadn't really committed to this federal service as a long-term professional opportunity. So after living in Indianapolis and working for about a year for a private contractor, also supporting now DFAS, which had just stood up and inherited the financial mission from all of the military services, but an Indy at Fort Bend, which was closing from the Army and was picking up that dispersing system, I found myself in in a situation where DFAS was looking for experience and expertise on all these financial systems that they had just inherited. And I knew enough about the Army's dispersing system that it was an area of experience and talent that I had that, that DFAS was willing to hire And so I went to work for DFAS in 1992, a year after DFAS was stood up. And through a variety of systems roles, dispersing, civilian running civ pay operations, getting into acquiring information technology, working in acquisition for several years, I began to look around and and thought that I could. So now I'm like, 10 years into uh, working for the federal government and now DFAS and found, and thought, you know, this could be a long-term profession for me. And so then I had the opportunity to move back from Indianapolis to DFAS headquarters when it 
used to be in the D.C. area. So I moved back to D.C. to work at DFAS headquarters in the CIO, the Chief Information Officer's shop, and then had the opportunity to go away to the Industrial College of the Armed Forces, which is now called the Eisenhower School over at the National Defense University. So here I was a year away at school learning about national defense strategy and how to resource it. And so I finished that after a year with an additional master's degree in national resource strategy and came back to DFAS and was soon then promoted to my first senior executive job in December of 2000. So over 20 years ago, I'm going on 22 years at the end of this year as a senior executive and as the deputy chief information officer in DFAS, uh, the formal titles was Deputy Director of Information and Technology. Soon after that, the current CIO retired, and then I got promoted into the CIO job. I did the CIO job in DFAS for six and a half years. By 2007, I wanted to continue to learn and grow in my career and had the opportunity to move over to the Air Force. And I went to work in Air Force Financial Operations as the deputy for financial operations for the Air Force with part of my portfolio was Air Force Financial Systems as well. And Air Force was in the in the beginning stages of implementing their current ERP deans. So I worked there for a couple of years. And one of the things I learned about working at the Air Force was that the Air Force likes to strategically use their talent in different areas. After a couple of years, my boss, the director of financial operations, departed and actually went to work for DFAS. And I became the director of financial operations for the Air Force and got to do that for another year and a half or so. And then the Air Force called me and said, we want you to do something else, Audrey, <laughs> and was given the opportunity to work on the air staff for the assistant vice chief of the Air Force as his deputy in his other role as the director of staff. So I became the deputy director of the Air Force headquarters staff. And that was a relatively new role that the Air Force had developed to have a civilian, a senior civilian in that role to support the assistant vice chief of the Air Force. And it was it wasn't a job that I was looking for, but it ended up being one of the best jobs of my entire career. I got to directly support the secretary and the chief and the vice chief, as well as my boss, the assistant vice chief of the Air Force in all matters Air Force, and really kind of took me out of my comfort level of systems, financial systems, and financial operations, and thrust me into the operational Air Force and having to learn about flying hours and total force management. And I just, I grew a tremendous amount and learned so much. And I believe to this day, it was because of that role in my five years at the Air Force that I was asked to come back to DFAS in January of 2012 to become the Principal Deputy Director of DFAS, working for the then Director Terry McKay. Fast forward nine years as being the Principal Deputy Director of DFAS, Terry McKay retired, the Director retired, 
And I acted for about six months while the search process was in play for finding a new director of DFAS. And six months into acting, I was asked to become the director of DFAS. And I just have to tell you, I pinched myself every day because this wasn't like I laid out a plan over a 30-year career to become the director of DFAS. But I believe all of the roles that I had the opportunity to serve in throughout my career led me to this place. It's interesting, Ms. Davis. I mean, the first thing that I think I have to share is it's so nice to talk to someone who started their career without a computer on every desk because I did too. <laughs> and that's getting rare to find that now. I but, probably um, just shared a little bit about my age with you. Too, didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just dated myself accidentally. But no, it's exciting. And what a career. So many neat, diverse experiences, which has prepared you for your current role. And I think one of the other things that really touched me was the fact that you're an inspiration for all of us, learning that you entered federal service through the Presidential Management Intern Program, and now you're the director of probably the largest financial operations center in the world. I think it's an amazing journey and an inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. So, Ms. Davis, I'm not sure if all of our listeners understand the incredible size, scope, and scale of DFAS's operations. In preparing for our conversation, I pulled some information from fiscal year 21, which I think is amazing. And just want to share a little bit of that with you. So in 2021, DFAS processed 155 million pay transactions, paid 11.9 million commercial invoices, made 4.2 million travel payments, made $613 billion in disbursements, made $147 billion in intragovernmental payments, maintained $77 million general ledger accounts, accounted for 1,411 active DOD appropriations, managed $23 billion in accounts receivable, managed $1.4 trillion in military retirement and health benefits funds, and managed foreign military sales cases reimbursed by federal governments valued at $639 billion. I guess this supports my earlier claim that DFAS truly has to be one of the largest financial operations centers in the world. It's an amazing effort. The size, scope, and scale is incredible. Tom, yes, you are correct. Uh, We are the largest financial operation in the entire world. I just have to tell you, I remember one of the things that the director of DFAS said, the one just prior to me, Terry McKay, she said when she became the director of DFAS, she felt like the weight of the world was on her shoulders. And I just have to tell you, I didn't understand, fully understand or appreciate that comment at the time that she made it. But I live it every day that I get to lead the largest financial operation in the world. And when I first became an SES, the director of DFAS then was a gentleman by the name of Tom Bloom. And he always used to say that he had the best job in town being the director of DFAS. And I embrace that and absolutely agree. This is the best job to have in the entire Department of Defense. And when we say in town, in this national capital region and the workforce that enables the operation 
of DFAS that really supports financial operations for the entire Department of Defense set up to improve financial services and standardize financial services and reduce the cost of financial services within the Department of Defense is the best workforce and leadership team I have had the opportunity to be a part of and engage with across my entire career. I just have to tell you that I often will say the the leadership team that I have in the entire DFAS workforce, 11,000 of them are the best workforce, I believe, in the entire federal government and the Department of Defense, and I would put them up against anyone. It's so great to hear the pride that you have in your team. And clearly, they're doing a a great job with the numbers that we just read earlier. Ms. Davis, let's talk about some of your recent activity. It looks like DFAS recently launched its five-year strategic plan at the beginning of fiscal year 22. How is your strategic plan, how does it support the national defense strategy? So thank you for that question, uh, Tom. At first, I would say that if you think about what the end goal is for the entire financial community within DOD, which DFAS is a is a major player in, we're here really to help unify and, like I said earlier, standardize and simplify the enterprise uh, services that support the enterprise financial services that support the defense mission. And recently, I was a part of a panel in the rollout of the DOD financial management strategy. And the director of force structure resources and assessment on the joint staff said, as I look at every problem that we have, I see it as our ability to serve the customer. And the customer for all of us is really at the pointy end of the spear at the ships at sea with the squadron soldiers on the ground and meeting the operational needs of the warfighter. So the linkage of the DFAS strategy to the national defense strategy, I think is absolutely key and really goes to a statement that is included in the fact sheet that came out. It's the only unclassified description of the national defense strategy that's out there today. The statement included in there is that the national defense strategy with its comprehensive and integrated review ensures tight linkages between strategy and our resources. So from that standpoint, when you think about the defense priorities are to defend the homeland, deterring strategic attacks against the United States, our allies and partners, deterring aggression and building a resilient joint force and defense ecosystem, the DFAS strategy in executing the financial operation mission on behalf of the Department of Defense and all of our components within DOD really is helping with the execution and the financial stewardship in the execution of those resources to enable the the Department of Defense to execute the national defense strategies in the four priorities I just summarized. Thank you, Ms. Davis, for sharing that. I also noted that OSD recently released the DOD financial management strategy. So two questions. First, 
does the DFAS strategy align with the DOD financial management strategy? And second, can you tell us what your four priorities are and share how they support the DOD financial management strategy? Tom, absolutely. So in answer to your first question, does the DFAS strategy support the DOD financial management strategy? Absolutely. The DOD financial management strategy was developed in a collaborative way amongst all the components within DOD, DFAS included. While we rolled our current five-year strategy out in October of last year, we were in close collaboration with the DOD FM strategy and able to ensure that we were in alignment with our strategic priorities and the goals and initiatives that we're exercising as a part of our strategy, and especially as we laid out the first-year business plan to execute the DFAS strategy. Absolutely tightly aligned. And I often ask the question and review the strategic initiatives that we have underway, not just in light of are they accomplishing the goals and outcomes we expect from our DFAS strategy, but what's that linkage back to the DOD FM strategy and how are we enabling the success of the overall DOD FM strategy? With that regard, let me just real quickly mention the the four DFAS priorities and then draw a linkage of those with the five DOD FM strategic goals. So the DFAS four strategic priorities are one, to strengthen customer partnerships, to work closely with each of our customers on helping them to be successful with their strategic goals and objectives. And then secondly, we talked a minute ago about the strong workforce within DFAST and how proud I am of them. Well, our second priority is to invest in our people. So ensuring that they're equipped with all the right tools and skills and knowledge to be able to execute the mission of DFAS and providing financial services, but also to be able to partner with our customers and and support our customers and help them be successful. Our third priority is to enhance our overall performance because as a shared service provider, we don't want to sit back on our laurels and say, oh, we did it and pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah, we did a great job. We got out all those payments, billions of dollars of payments last year and say we're done with it. We have to continue to be better. And so we're constantly looking at our overall performance from a cost schedule and accuracy standpoint and looking for how can we improve and enhance our overall performance. And then finally, the fourth priority is to modernize the business environment, modernize in a way that simplifies it, reduces systems, takes advantage of emerging technologies and capabilities that really helps in all of the other areas, enhance our performance, increase the skill level and expertise of our workforce and better serve our customers. So let me just real quickly highlight the linkages of our priorities with the DOD FM strategy. And I'll do that from the standpoint of the DOD FM strategy and take it in the order that their priorities are laid out or from a DOD perspective. Actually, the first FM strategic goal is to cultivate 
a skilled and inspired FM workforce, which aligns with the DFAST invest in people priority. Within the DOD FM strategy, it talks to the skills that are needed to be successful 10 years ago are different from the skills that we need to remain successful over the next 10 years. And so the DOD FM strategic goal focuses us all on ensuring our passionate and dedicated workforce is trained, prepared, and motivated. And within our DFAST invest in people priority, we're focused on increasing our skill sets in the data analytics area, and in fact have just recently taken advantage of the newly created Office of Personnel Management occupational series for data analytics, the 1560 series, and we're starting to recruit for data scientists and and analysts uh, within that career series so that we can add that expertise to our workforce, just as one example of how we're investing in our people. And then from an overall leadership standpoint, we're assessing the data literacy of our leadership team. We talked about how long I've served in the federal government and a lot of the technology we're using today wasn't even uh, available or thought of back when I started my career. We need to continue to evolve our leadership team as well as the broader workforce from a digital perspective and literacy perspective. So just a couple of areas that we're focusing on, identifying gaps and so that we can close those gaps and develop our overall workforce. The second FM strategic goal is to optimize taxpayer dollars for the highest value outcomes, which links directly to our enhanced, the DFAS enhanced performance priority. And the DOD FM strategic goal in this area really focuses in on the bread and butter for our FM workforce. I mean, that's that's why we're here as federal servants, as financial stewards of the resources that we're entrusted with every day. And so it's our job and our obligation to optimize the taxpayers' dollars to the highest value outcomes for the department. And recently, the Deputy Undersecretary Comptroller, Ms. Kathleen Miller, stated, honing in on and focusing on budget execution to visibility is critical. And this means that through better visibility and access to authoritative data, we have the opportunity to improve our accuracy and timeliness and reduce the number of labor hours that we spend on repetitive tasks. And so one of the ways that we're supporting this through our enhanced performance priority is that we're looking ahead to fiscal year 26 as a part of this strategic priority to achieve cost, schedule, and performance targets through the delivery of efficient value-added services. And two initiatives that we're working on in this area this fiscal year in particular include one that we've just recently began the implementation of at the beginning of April is transitioning the current contract pay system that many people know as MOCAS for both Air Force and Navy to daily reporting and then the Navy Ashore to daily reporting in our deployable dispersing system. And these efforts are improving auditability for both the Air Force and the Navy by simplifying and streamlining dispersing processes 
and eliminating unmatched disbursements. In other words, providing better visibility and access to authoritative data. The third FM strategic goal is focused on increasing the integrity of financial results, which links directly to our strengthened customer partnership priority that we're focused on in DFAS. The DOD FM strategic goal in this area is really about achieving the department-wide audit. And while some success has taken place, we've had a tremendous amount of success over the past several years, there's still much to be done. Our focus, and again, looking ahead to fiscal year 26, we're looking to implement innovative customer-oriented solutions to improve efficiency and partnership with each of our customers in this area of audit. Because the audit really is about, well, there's a, a report card, if you will, an opinion provided by an independent auditor. It really is about strengthening the controls in our processes and our systems and becoming more efficient in the delivery of financial services and the accountability of the financial resources that we're entrusted with. And so we're intentionally partnering with our customers to support their audit roadmaps that they have developed, engaging with them on developing customer-oriented solutions that will allow them to strengthen and really strengthen for the entire department our financial management and controls and improve processes. By strategically targeting material weaknesses, we're making progress toward an unmodified opinion component by component within the department. This year, we're working in close partnership with both the Air Force and DISA to downgrade the fund balance with treasury material weakness for each of them, which in the end is about improving processes, transparency, and strengthening our internal controls and having better visibility into our cash processes in alignment with the Department of Treasury. The fourth financial management strategic goal is focused on simplifying and optimizing the end-to-end business environment. And this links directly to the DFAS priority, modernize the business environment. And so the DOD FM goal in this area is about rapidly decreasing vulnerable systems, increasing cybersecurity, and investing in modern technological solutions. And Undersecretary Miller recently said that the department has long been challenged by non-compliant, non-secure technology that impedes our efforts to streamline and integrate operations and also leads us to not have the most accurate DOD financial information. And so this goal is about changing that environment. Within DFAS, we're focused on modernizing our environment by focusing on commercial cloud deployment reducing legacy systems. We, our last five-year strategy, we were successful in eliminating 20 legacy systems. And we have as a part of our, this current five-year strategy to eliminate another 15 systems, two of which will be eliminated this fiscal year. So we're already well on our way to that 15 reduction goal. And then finally, leveraging more current technology like robotics process automation and artificial intelligence in a cognitive services technology way. And so 
we're looking to optimize our end-to-end processes within DFAS and DOD by eliminating old systems, but leveraging emerging technologies. And then finally, the fifth FM strategic goal is to empower data-driven, fiscally informed decision-making. That goal links also to our priority with strengthening customer partnerships. So the DoD FM goal in this area is that financial transactions are created every time we do business across the department. So the need for standards around data management, data quality, governance, and the application of analytical processes is critical. In this strategic priority, strengthen customer partnerships in support of that goal, we're leveraging the advanced data analytics for business insights, leveraging the Advanta tool, which is the consolidation of not just financial data, but a lot of the data within the Department of Defense. And specifically, we're using it to support in partnership to support the audit efforts of each of our customers and leveraging that data capability as the full universe of transactions for each of our customers and migrating any reconciliations of data to that environment to ensure that we have strong data integrity, which really well underpins the execution of this strategic goal. So I took a lot of time to talk not just about our four strategic priorities, but the linkages to the DOD FM five strategic goals, but hopefully that gives you a feel for how tightly linked and how we're executing within the framework of both. So thank you, Ms. Davis, for taking the time to do that. You can really see how synergistic they are. And one of the things that jumped out to me was both plans actually start with investing in people. And, you know, I read an article from an organizational psychologist that said, people are more important than ideas because people create ideas. And I think by having that as your platform, those innovative ideas are going to come from your people, which are going to inform, increase the ability to strengthen customer partnerships, enhance performance, and modernize the business environment. So I thought it was very insightful how you connected those two together. Ms. Davis, we've talked about how the DFAS strategy aligns with the National Defense Strategy and the DOD Financial Management Strategy. Equally important is that the execution of the strategy must create value for your customers. How is DFAS's strategic plan supporting its customers in achieving their goals? I mentioned a couple areas, and, and let me just add a few more, because we have strategic initiatives underway that really are supporting all of our customers, the military services, as well as the defense agencies within the department. So one of the ones I mentioned earlier was our support to both Air Force and DISA in helping them to reduce the material weakness and fund balance with Treasury this fiscal year. So we're well on track with that. Of course, it's it's up to the auditors to grade our work at the end of the year, but we are tightly monitoring that, working in close partnership with both Air Force and DISA to support them in being successful in downgrading that material weakness this year. 
The United States Marine Corps just implemented the Defense Agency Initiative, which is an ERP that has been implemented across what we call the fourth estate, all defense agencies. DFAS is going on DAI at the end of this year, this fiscal year. And so we're supporting the United States Marine Corps as a part of their migration to DAI and helping them be successful in using DAI to actually build Marine Corps trial balances for financial reporting and being able to deploy and support their audit success in the coming years. And then for the Army, were specifically uh, working with them on a capability that was developed to help streamline and reduce the amount of errors and improve the turnaround time on travel payments to our service members and their families. It's a capability called Smart Voucher, and we're deploying that to all Army locations, including Fort Hood, Fort Stewart, and overseas locations and expect to be complete with that by the end of this fiscal year. I mentioned our Reduced Legacy Systems initiative. A large part of that success that we've had in the past has been through our close partnership with the Navy because their strategy was to reduce the multiple general ledger systems that they had within the Navy and get to a single general ledger system. Well, in that close partnership, we were able to reduce uh, much of our 20 systems that we've already retired. A lot of them was because of that partnership with the Navy. In one of our current initiatives that we're working on to improve data and our data accuracy, is the implementation of soft edits in our departmental reporting system for key attributes that will help improve our overall DOD data integrity. We began a a partnership with the United States Corps of Engineers, and we were able to implement these soft edits and begin to, instead of getting in missing or bad data coming into the financial reporting system to clean that up. Now, the Corps of Engineers has had a clean audit opinion for several years now, so this cleanup of their data was critical for them and fit nicely. They were able to become what we call a pathfinder in this effort of developing and using soft edits. There may become a time where we'll take these soft edits and turn them into hard edits. So if we get bad data coming in, we'll reject it, but we don't want to break processes. We want to work to improve and strengthen them before we have to go to that next step of a hard edit. And so we just recently, after the success we had with the Corps of Engineers, we looked at all of the ERPs uh, within the department that are on our standard financial infrastructure data, SFIS, at the level 10, SFIS 10. Uh, So all of those organizations who are on systems at SFIS, we were able to implement these soft edits for. And through training with the components, Air Force, Navy, Army, we're helping to educate them on what data is missing, what data is wrong, inform them through these soft edits 
where the errors are occurring so that they can be corrected at the source. And then when, when the data comes in through their trial balances from their ERPs into the departmental reporting system, the data will flow in cleanly. It will not only just streamline our processes, but reduce the amount of reconciliations that have to be done and uh, manual work that will have to be done and will just be done in a more automated and efficient way. So I covered, I think I covered all of the military services and a few of the defense agencies were in close partnership with DLA, as well as the major commands, SOCOM, helping them with the development of their universal transactions and improving their reconciliation processes in Transcom as well. So DFAS is often identified as critical to all of the component audits, and we take that role very seriously and want to be an enabler for each of our customers and foster their success. It was really nice to hear how you're able to partner with your customers, regardless of where they are in their financial improvement journey, even organizations that have a clean financial statement opinion, you're still finding the ability to provide value to them. Ms. Davis, we like to wrap up each episode with some advice for our early careerists that are listening. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give early careerists who are just starting their career? So the advice that I would give to early careerists, first I would say, enjoy the journey. (laughs) There's no cookie cutter approach to anyone's career. Everyone is unique. Everyone brings unique skills and expertise and knowledge to whatever mission you find yourself in. First, I would say, find a way to embrace the mission that you're supporting. Enjoy the journey. Because we spend a lot of time in our work lives. I mean, it's over a third of our lives, right? It's a lot of time not to enjoy it. And, and if you're enjoying the work that you do, you're going to bring a level of passion and energy and innovation and insight to it that will be able to propel improvements and success in everything that you do. So that would be my first advice. Enjoy the journey. Find a way to embrace the mission. Be passionate about it. The second would be to be open and flexible to the opportunities that come your way and whatever that means for you. You know, if you're asked to take on a new project, take on that new project because you're going to learn and grow. If you're asked to get out of your comfort zone, that's when you do learn and grow and expand and you gain a broader insight and perspective that helps you bring that to any any new problem or challenge that you might have to solve. And you can look at it in a different way and work with others to continue to solving problems and moving forward. So my second advice would be uh, be flexible and open to new opportunities and growing and taking on new challenges and and doing new things. Never stop learning. And I think that's part of being willing to take on new challenges and opportunities. And when your boss or a senior leader comes to you and says, I need your expertise in an area that you're not familiar with, be willing to take not just take a chance on working on the project that you're being asked to move to, 
take a chance on yourself and be open and willing to grow in that experience. So be flexible throughout your career so that you can do that. And then finally, I would say continue to network and get to know people along the way. I often say that I don't know who my friends would be if I wasn't working because many of my longtime friends and mentors are people that have either been former bosses or former colleagues, and you just sort of forge a relationship with people that you're in the trenches with. And that when you solved really hard problems together and you get to know each other, those become lasting and long-time friendships and, and in many ways, mentors to you along your journey, people who have different experiences and perspectives that can help you when you're in need of a different experience and perspective. And there are lots of ways to network and get to know people, certainly in the office environment, but also joining professional organizations. And there are a lot of them out there. I know for me, being involved in ASMC and AGA and AFSIA, and there just are a number of ways to engage your colleagues in different environments than the actual work environment. So those are probably the three top areas. And if I was going to add a fourth, I would say find ways to give back. We're entrusted with a tremendous amount of responsibility and resources in this environment. And I just tell you, I feel extremely blessed in the career that I've had. If I wasn't out for the year that I was out during my career, this would be my 37th year. I'm coming up on 36 years of career service, and I've had an awesome, awesome career, and I'm looking forward to a few more years as well. And I would just say that I feel like we have an obligation to give back and help others. So be willing to give someone else a hand and bring them along and give them advice and give them some of your time, give them your ear to listen to give back so that one of the things I learned very early in my career is, is to never leave, whether it's a job or a project I was working on the same way that I found it, leave it better. And the way that you do that is that you work on continuous improvement of yourself and the environment, and then give back to allow others to do the same thing. Ms. Davis, I think that's great advice for all of us. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know how busy you are, and I just really do personally and on behalf of ASMC want to thank you for your time today and supporting the ASMC All Things Financial Management Podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. And my apologies for going long. It was wonderful. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to join you. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by GuideHouse. You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, guidehouse.com, All Things Financial Management.